Welcome to Teach Me Sentai, a podcast for taking a look back at the Power Rangers and the Japanese series that gave it its inspiration and footage, Super Sentai. I'm John McDonough. And I'm Natalie Bridgman. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai. Natalie, what are we doing today? We are taking a little Zoo 2 break to talk about the first episode of some Super Sentai series that we don't think will ever be adapted because they're just not good candidates for that, but they're still yeah, really cool. Too old or bad candidates. Yeah. yeah. We're watching Live Man episode one, Jet Man episode one, and Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger episodes one and two. Yes. So Jet Man, if you'd like to watch around with us, is available on through Shout Factory, just like Zoo Ranger was. These other ones are on the internet, and I'm not going to tell you where to find them for legal reasons, but they're there. <laughs> just Google watch episode one, whatever it is, and it'll happen. And definitely don't click on anything untoward. We didn't no. tell you to do that. No. We don't need any previously, because these are all first episodes. But because of that, these synopses are a little dense, a little longer than usual. We'll get through them. Stick with us. We want to make sure you understand what's happening. Because there's a lot. Yes. But we're going to dive in and talk to you in a second. All right. Here we go. Choju Sentai Live Man, Episode 1. Friends, Why? Academia Island, an elite academy for students handpicked by the UN, studying under Dr. Hoshi to make the world a better place. Hoshi's latest project is the first permanent space base, but three students, led by Sukigata, refuse to work on it anymore. That night, five other students work on an experiment for fortification suits and compete over who gets to try them out. They all hope to make it to the space station one day. Takuchi and Mari are the winners, but the test goes wrong. A hole is blown through the wall and the pair pull outside, but they seem to be fine. Guess the suits work. But suddenly, a ship lands and picks up the three naysaying students. Sukigata pulls a gun, and Takuji and Mari jump to defend the others with their protective suits. But the gun is so powerful, it pierces the suits and kills them. The ship goes to space and takes Sukigata and his fellow defectors to a mysterious space station. Two years passed, it's graduation, and a number of academia students have been chosen for the Space Academy mission. But the three survivors of the tragic events, though graduates, are not chosen. Their names are Yusuke, Megumi, and Joe. They take the time to honor their fallen friends and are approached at the graves by Dr. Hoshi. He agrees to bring the portraits of the killed students on board, but during the launch, the ship is shot down by mysterious fighter jets that resemble scorpions. They turn their attack on the rest of the academia, our survivors make it through. A ship lands and out comes the three defectors in pretty villainous costumes. That mysterious space station was actually called Brain Base, and great Professor Bias, the leader of Brain Army Volt, gave them new powers. They're now called Dr. Kemp, Dr. Mazenda, and Dr. Obler, and they're here to take over the world for geniuses like Bias. Kemp turns into a beauty beast, but guess what? Our three heroes have gotten new abilities in the past few years. They'll protect all living things. Red Falcon, Yellow Lion, Blue Dolphin, they are the Choju Sentai Live Men! They fight the minions of the season, the Jimmers, but their robotic foes are very tough. Brain Beast Kemp and Dr. Mazenda join the fray too. Things seem bad when Joe shows up in the landline, his mecha. He defeats some of the enemy fighters, but he and his companions aren't out of the woods yet. To be continued. Except not really, because we're moving on to Shoujin Sentai Jetman, Episode 1, Seek the Warrior. It's 1990X, and Earthship orbits the Earth keeping peace on the planet, run by an organization called Skyforce. Two Skyforce soldiers, Rei and Ryu, respond to a call to stop a rampaging robot. They're a couple, so they work together well. 
The Skyforce commander recruits them to Project J. They will be exposed to Burdonic Waves, which will make them superheroes. The Sojin Sentai Jetman. Unfortunately, things don't go as planned. Ryu is exposed to the waves, but before anyone else can take their turn, the ship is attacked by the Virum. The attacker, Raduget, appears in a projection to the whole planet. He claims they are dimensional gods and demand the allegiance of the people of Earth. And they're going to destroy the Earth ship to prove they mean business. The Virum come from the reverse dimension, which they conquered, and are here to take down the front dimension, which is us. Ryu and Rei flee from the attack, but Rei is sucked through a hole into space. Even with the new powers, Ryu cannot save her. The commander and Ryu flee in Jethawk, his mecha, but in the destruction of Earthship, the Burdonic waves are unleashed and fly down to Earth where four random civilians are exposed. Ryu recovers at the Sky Camp, the secret base built for the Jetman. The commander tells him the harsh truth. Rei is dead and the Jetman need to go to battle against the killers, the Virum. They have to find the others. Meanwhile, Radigat unleashes a dimensional bug onto the planet to feed on the people. The commander and Ryu follow the Burdonic waves to a mansion where they meet an elegant woman named Kaori. She is very bored with her life as a rich girl, so she is happy to help. The next person exposed to the waves is a farmer named Reata. He is less convinced. He hates violence. Kairi stands behind to try to convince him. She compliments his vegetables to soften him up, but they're attacked. Radigat sends the season's minions who trash the field. Ryu rushes back to help in Jethawk. The dimensional bug beats him to the scene, but only barely. He hops out of the mecha and, using his cross-changer, becomes Red Hawk. Ryu is overwhelmed by the forces, and Kairi and Rayata are not natural fighters, so they run. But when they're thrown off a cliff, they follow his lead, transforming into White Swan and Yellow Owl, so they can fly to safety. While Ryu is the only one with any kind of combat skill, the others are able to keep themselves alive. Ryu even gets the upper hand on the dimensional bug, but Radigat pulls him back to the reverse dimension before he can be destroyed. The commander is worried. They're going to need all five Jetmen to stand a chance against the Virum. But Radigat isn't even the only threat. He is one of four commanders along with the robotic Grey, a creepy child named Tran, and a sinister and familiar woman named Maria. To be continued. Continue some other time because now we're onto this one and bear with me. There's a lot, including the name. Kaito Sentai Lubine Ranger versus Kisatsu Sentai Pot Ranger, Episode 1, The Thieves That Everyone's Talking About. A high roller is sweeping up the roulette table at a smoky casino. Every time he hits big, a mysterious green glow emanates from his chest. Another player can't pay his bet, and the high roller goons grab him, but then three masked figures burst through the windows. Thieves! They threaten the man with a calling card. They're going to steal his treasure, and the card reveals that this is no high roller, but a frog monster with a safe in his chest. The goons are actually portermen, this season's minions. There's a shootout, and the red thief is able to reach the monster and use a device to crack the safe and take the treasure, a piece of the Lupin collection. The monster threatens the thieves. They don't want to steal from the ganglers. He caused a huge explosion, alerting the global police officers who rush to the scene. As the smoke clears, the thieves are unharmed and transformed into the Kaito Sentai Lupin Ranger. They fight as the opening music plays. The cop shows up as the fight is winding down. The Lupin Ranger destroy the monster and take off on Lupin Red's airship, and there's nothing the police can do to stop them. The next day, a young man named Kyrie listens to the public speculate about the Lupin Ranger. We quickly realize this is Lupin Red. Meanwhile, one of the cops, Keichiro, is pissed that the thieves are more respected than the police. He goes to toss a newspaper when Kyrie warns him he's going to miss. Sure enough, he does. Keichiro storms off as butler Kogure shows up. At Bistro Juror, the Lupin Ranger's secret base, Lupin Yellow, a.k.a. Umika, waits tables while Lupin Blue, a.k.a. Toma, works in the kitchen. 
Meanwhile, at the GPD headquarters, a younger cadet named Sakuya brings a female cadet named Tsukasa some coffee. The commissioner, Hilltop, shows up to congratulate them on their quick action the previous night. They also have a secretary robot named Jim Carter, who is not pleased with their inability to stop the gangler. Neither is Keijiro, the leader of this special unit, who shows up in a huff. Kairi gives Kogure the treasure they stole the previous night, and he puts it in a magic book. These are the spoils of the famed thief Arsène Lupin, and were stolen by the gangler from Kogure's master, a descendant of Lupin. Kairi doesn't need any more information as long as the butler and his master uphold their deal, whatever that may be. Meanwhile, the mysterious extra-dimensional mansion that is the gangler headquarters, the gangler leader, Lugranio Yabun, is having a birthday feast. He announces his coming retirement and says whoever conquers the human world will be his successor. But Kogure is already sending the Lupin Rangers on to their next target, a gangler jewel thief named Garado Nago, who possesses a Lupin treasure with fire powers. Kairi returns to the bistro, kicks out the customers for a group event, which is code for a heist. They put on their phantom thief looks and head for the pier where the monster is hiding. They infiltrate, dodging minions and traps. They make it to Karada's lair, but their cover is blown, which also alerts the GPD to their location. But before they can leave, Hilltop offers mysterious new tools. The Lupin Ranger dive into action. They defeat the Porterman, but are struggling against Garato. He has Umika and Tomo restrained. But they aren't like other Sentai teams. Kairi shoots out the ceiling, similarly burying his compatriots in the rubble with Garado. They promised each other, no matter who falls, they will complete the mission. Garado is fine, and luckily so are the other thieves. But free from his grasp, they can all Kaito change into Lupin Ranger. They fight with their guns and giant lockpick-shaped swords, but just as Kairi is about to steal the treasure, the police show up. They have VS changers just like the Lupin Rangers, which are pieces of the Lupin collection. They use them to Keisatsu change into the Keisatsu Sentai Potranger. To be continued. Right into episode two, the global police in pursuit. The two Sentai teams start fighting as Garado tries to escape, but the thieves won't let their target go that easily. But it's Keichiro who gets Garado in his crosshairs only for Kairi to prevent him from taking the shot. They have to steal the treasure before the monster is destroyed, but because of the fighting, the monster escapes. The Lupin Ranger bring their airship mecha to escape, but Potter Ranger pursue in their own police car mecha. After a dramatic chase, the thieves get away. At the bistro, they theorize as to how the cops got Lupin collection gear, and how the same tech turns them into Pot Ranger. Umiko is more open-minded. As long as they get the treasures, who cares who destroys the ganglers? But Kairi and Tuma are determined to be the ones to take the criminal empire down. Kairi heads off to look for info about Garado. Unfortunately, the police have the scene blocked off, and Kairi sees Keichiro promise the victims that he will destroy the monster responsible. And we finally get our backstory. A year ago, all three Lupin Rangers saw people frozen in ice and shattered by a mysterious whistling monster. The victims included Kairi's brother, Tuma's fiancé, and Umiko's best friend. They were approached in their grief by Koguro, who promised that if they collect the entire collection as Lupin Ranger, they can bring their lost loved ones back. Back in the present, Garado chooses a violent smash and grab instead of staying in hiding. All six Sentai head to his location. The thieves arrive first and are able to steal the treasure, but then the cops show up. Sentai v Sentai v Gangler. But then Kairi hears Keichiro's resolve to fulfill his promise to the victims. He decides to leave the monster to the Pot Ranger and flee with the treasure. The Pot Ranger pull their special weapons, megaphones with extendable police batons, and destroy the Portermen. The Lupin Ranger watch on as the police pull another piece of the Lupin collection, Good Striker. This fuses them into a single warrior for the common good, a Potterin union. They unleash their finisher, One Shot Strike, and then freak out a little about the fusion. 
But Gangler Commander Goshu has a special trick. With her piece of Lupin collection, she revives Grotero and makes him giant. The Lupin Ranger will have to get back in the fight in their mecha, and Good Striker has a mind of its own. It flies to Lupin Red, who makes it a giant airship, which combines with the Lupin Ranger ships to form Lupin Kaiser. They fight Gatoro and finish him off with the Good Striker Rapid Fire Down You Go shot, which is an incredible name for a finisher. Back at the Bistro, the Lupin Ranger wonder what to do about the collection pieces in the police possession, but they're interrupted by the police themselves to be continued. Okay, that was a lot. Thank you for sticking with us. There's so many new things. This is the problem with doing all these episodes once, but it's fun. We have lots to talk about. Should we start with general impressions? Now, I know that you haven't seen as much Sentai, so um, I'd actually seen three of the four of these episodes before, but these were all new to you, and it was your first chance to see a bunch of other Sentai seasons. Like, first blush, what was your reaction to seeing all these different setups? These are all so intense, like, in very different ways. But there's a lot here. They all have to cover a lot of ground really fast and, like, emotionally all over the place. I, I enjoyed every minute, but it's a lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. I was really struck by, we talked about when we first started G-Ranger, that, like, it's a lighter season. <laughs> and yeah. And we are all, I think Lupin Ranger, Potch Ranger. Like, I believe it. But these are all heavier seasons. Yeah. They all start with, like, death. <laughs> yeah. I fully understand why, like, people in Japan were like, wait, why why do Americans care about this season so much? Because, <laughs> like, it's very lukewarm in comparison. Yes, and there are certainly other, like, comedic seasons. Maybe next time we do this, we'll check out some of those. But, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a different tone, and it's super intense. Yeah, and, like, it's weird because I thought that Live Man was really, like, kind of serious and dark. And so then, especially just from, like, the opening on. And so then when we got to Jetman, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be as serious. But it it was. (laughs) It just as serious. Yeah. More so. I love it. And then watch everyone's loved ones get murdered in Lupin Ranger, Pot Ranger. Oh, my God. A blast. Let's start with Live Man, though. Just some table stakes. This is the 1988 season of Super Sentai. It's about four years, four seasons before G-Ranger, which we just watched. So kind of deep into the run, the the, the formula is cooking, but a little bit older than the era we were watching in Mm G-Ranger. What did you think of of our precious Live Man? Live Man, first of all, the the opening is amazing. There's that. It's like a banger yeah it's so 80s it is so so cool i love it it's so cool i also love right away i was just like really surprised that they were doing this like space academy vibe and that there were like actual like what seemingly looking like americans at the academy i was like wow okay oh Um, mary charles and gregory harms yeah back to them i was like uh (laughs) what's that about I thought that was surprising. I the one thing that really threw me in the very beginning was when they were doing their like their test run of the suits pre like tragedy. There was a dog there for some reason, and now I want to know if that dog will ever come back. I guess I have to assume that dog's dead, and I'm sorry that's God. messed up, but that's where I'm at. Damn it. Okay. I do think with Live Man, this is the one that I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. I love the setup with the school because I love school shit. Yeah. It's just like John Mm -hmm. McDonough thing. But this episode really, it it makes you work to figure out like, wait, who are the main characters? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because like right away we get those like three kind of like 
for lack of a better phrase, like bad boy characters who were just like, I don't want to be at the school anymore. And we're like, okay, like, what's that about? And then there's the two others who end up dying. And you're like, okay, who are we focusing on? Yeah. And in that scene where they're putting on the protective suits, they like throw the names of the people who end up eventually Mm -hmm. being the leads. Well, not Joe. We don't hear Joe in that scene, but we hear Megumi. We hear Yusuke. But like, it's in the midst of a bunch of other names. And I was like, who do I need to be paying attention to here? Yes, it was it was like I knew visibly I like I knew that they were like, kind of our only thread. But like, I didn't know who they were until like very late in the game. Yeah, I think we finally get all three of their names really clearly about five minutes before the episode. Which I will say, I don't think we ever get all the names in Jetman. So I can't like fault them. But at least in Jetman, you like know who the leads are. I love the setup they've done here for Mm -hmm. the dynamic between the main villain characters and the heroes. Like, I I feel like we don't normally get this level of personal connection Mm -hmm. in Sentai shows between the villains and heroes. And like, it sets up a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, they're like, because they're traitors. You know, normally Power Ranger villain, Sentai villain, whatever, they're like these extra earth forces they're like from outside and they're like here i am to take over this planet you know that's pretty normal yeah but these are three humans and they join the other side it's nuts yeah we really don't get a good sense of great professor bias or like what his whole personality or deal is but like and he seems like the big bad but these three really like very compelling and the fact that They not only are former friends slash classmates of the heroes, but also, like, were responsible for the death of two of their other friends, which is very impactful. Mm -hmm. Like, that all really worked for me. It it makes me very curious what they do with that story moving forward. Yeah. Very intense. And then there's also something about this idea that the rangers, the the Sentai, they they have created their powers themselves. They've developed the technology themselves. Yeah, they, they took the protective suits and did some improvements on them and gave it and, and made themselves Sentai. And I like when they sort of reveal that. We come in two years later and it's sort of like, well, what's happening? Like, are they going to get the powers now? They're getting attacked. But like, they get attacked and then they're like, oh no, we knew this was going to happen and we've been getting ready for it. And that made me instantly be like, oh, they're cool. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. And just like owning that destiny, like they're not being swept up in it. They're like, no, this is what I'm here for. This is what I've been planning for. There's something really cool about that. Yeah, their suits are very cool looking. They have white pants. They're very striking. Mm -hmm. They're themed after animals, but there's really nothing at all in the story to tell me why that is. (laughs) Just for fun. Because colors are not interesting enough, I guess. I guess. The land lion's very cute. And I guess they're like, they're like, we're going to protect all living things. And Mm -hmm. Brain Army Volt is like only very smart Ayn Randy people. Yeah. yeah. But so I guess they reflected animals to do that. It just, it was, it's a pretty loose connection between the theme of the suits and the theme of the show. Yeah. They just thought it would be cool. Also that lion sword. So cool looking. So good. The perfect one to start with. I think it's a great, Mecca, it moves really well. Yes. we Lots to talk about with the evolution of Mecca over these series in, in this yeah. particular four episodes. But this one looks super cool. I like that we see the yellow characters. Mm-hmm. They are the yellow Sentai's Mecca first. Like, we do not see the red, I think, Falcon is what it's eventually called. Yeah. Sky Falcon, something like that. But we don't see him in this episode. The only Mecca we see in the first episode is a landline. But, like, he gets a real cool moment. He looks really cool. It gives Joe this very nice heroic moment. 
Yeah. There's just something really striking about a lion's, like, mecha, zord, whatever, that, like, really looks like a lion. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. The big problem is, like, I don't have much of a sense of who Joe is. Or Yusuke. Or Megumi. Megumi just seems to be not as good at fighting as everyone else. Gender stuff alive and well. Yeah. And Joe, interestingly, his, like streetwear is color-coded but it's more like black with yellow accents as opposed to just like pure yellow yeah he he definitely seems like he would like make some tough decisions based off of his costume if you know what i mean he's in it to get the job done no matter the cost and then also sometimes where he's yellow like you know it's like yeah he seems like maybe a bit of a bad boy to use a case very like frankly boring <laughs> red rangerness <laughs> and megumi seems very tender but like i really don't have a great sense of who these people are spoiler mm-hmm. alert for later there is no chance any of these three three people will be my favorite sentai for this episode yeah probably not but it's like a cool setup and it's a cool world yeah they do a lot in that half hour in terms of covering like narrative they really do it's like we're going to space here's some 80s computers love to see it I, <laughs> 80s computers ah oh, it just Ugh. i love it and, and even the concept of like this is gonna be the first space station like when did the iss launch i'm gonna google it. yeah google it because i thought it was up there but is it different because like there's like a lot more people on it i don't know but i was pretty sure it was up do, there do, 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 do. no it would it, be 10 years before the space station was fully wow really and 12 years before it was fully operational so like I think the ISS must have been in process, but, but it is kind of fun that it's like, this is, they are looking ahead to something that now feels really kind of like, oh yeah, space station. We've been living with it now for, you know, 20 plus years, but I thought it was a cool, fun, forward looking thing. And then it made it really cool when the others went into space and there's a space station already up there. You're like, well, wait a minute. What's this? Yeah. After some very quick and dramatic murdering of children. Oh my god, so much murder. What do you think about the bad guys? Like, the the three traitors when they get their special powers for being evil. Their looks are so silly in a way that I'm, like, pro. Dr. Kemp is, like, very, like, they're all very femme, which I like. Yes. It's very, like, magical girl anime. I don't know, in a a good way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kemp turns into this monster that's also very, like, glam, like, labyrinth vibes is sort yes. of the best way i can describe it very labyrinth that's exactly what it is i do love dr mazenda who seems to just have guns in all, all of, of her, her body appendages at one yeah. point she uses her elbow gun attack and i was like that's the funniest thing i've ever heard i it's love so, that <laughs> it's so funny because they're like they're doctors right so like ostensibly you could say that they got doctorates in evil and like their thesis is their like their vibe you know so like she got guns all over her body yeah it's great like she did some gun research and wrote her gun dissertation and she was like and now i'm gonna apply it to my body and they're like great you graduated here you go (laughs) dr obler the third of the three doesn't really do much he's in like a suit and then like at the very very end of the episode as they're doing like what's gonna happen next we see that he has a sort of like melina from mortal Kombat mouth where it, it looks normal but then he opens it and it's like teeth and spiky and I mean, it's a good effect. It's just he's not really part of the fight at no. all. And he definitely stands out the least of the three designs. Yeah, he definitely has like the the least kind of allure to him because he's just like in a suit with a big bow. And then his mouth is weird. But he also might be the creepiest. We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how they evolve going forward. 
Some other things in this episode I liked. I liked that when the lion was fighting the airships, he like grabbed one in his mouth. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with it. I liked that <laughs> when they're doing the graduation and they're saying the name of all these people who are going to go to space and soon be also murdered. And um, <laughs> like they all like have a little like, yeah, I did it. But there are two American people. And yeah. the 80 yard English lines are so funny because the first one's Mary Charles and she's like yeah all right and then there's a guy named Gregory Harms who's just like yeah it's so good I know I was just kind of like surprised by that I was like wow okay I just thought we would just go with the assumption that like yeah this is an international academy but like Japan is great so most of us are Japanese yeah it is actually populated internationally yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah. Oh, I thought that the whole, like, siege when, when they show up, like, with him projecting. No, I'm getting the other ones mixed up. Oh, you're my getting, God. You're I am. Oh. They, these both do have sudden sieges. So. My apologies. My Pain apologies. In that. Yeah, I like, things get, like, just messed up at the academia, like, four times in this episode before anyone even morphs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this one has the scorpion, the scorpion. Yeah, kind little of scorpion fighters so who blow that, up the spaceship. Yes, and I love that. And I love. It felt like very. If you listeners have seen it, Battlestar Galactica two thousand four, the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. It felt mm-hmm. like that, which felt really weird. It's like this is an episode of, of of Sentai. The stakes are very high, and it really feels like their whole world gets rocked in the first episode. It's very dire. Like, there's a lot of destruction. I know that we, conversely, like, we have talked about, like, in Sentai, it's certain episodes that have a lot of destruction, but, like, they're really, all of these have really, like, kind of amped up the destruction in the first episode. It's certainly, like, in Ranger when there was a lot of destruction, like, they wanted the intensity, but they didn't really want you to think too much about the death. And it feels Mm -hmm. like in both this and Jetman, and then in a different way in Lupin Patra, they want you to think about the death. Yeah. I wonder if that's like, Zero Ranger was like a direct comment on that though. They were like, okay, we need to scale it back. We need to have like a positive vibe for yeah, a season. Yeah, I think especially after Jetman, which yeah. Zero Ranger immediately follows. I, I can't imagine they weren't thinking about it. At some point, someone calls someone a dolphin as an insult, which is funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Live Man. It was fun. I'm glad we watched it. I would say like, I, I, I think it's the one I'd be like least excited to keep going on. But like, really? It was huh. fun to go back to the 80s. It was like, it was an interesting vibe to me. And I and I am curious to see how they evolve, especially the villain story. Right. But let's jump forward three years to 1991 to Chojin Sentai Jetman. This is one of the most beloved Super Sentai series. It's on yeah. a lot of best Sentai season lists. It also opens with another banger of a theme song. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Less 80s, but super fun and poppy. I like it. What did you think of Jetman overall? I liked Jetman. I liked the characters right away. They're they're giving you these like two characters to kind of follow. I like that. Even though that like changes immediately. I liked the phrase Burdonic Waves. Burdonic Waves is a great phrase. I think I think that's important. I think that's a great contribution to media. It's that phrase. Yeah. It, it was interesting that we ended up with these two. Jetman was sort of my contribution. Live Man came from a listener. But they are very similar to me. And mm-hmm. for my money, I think Jetman takes what Live Man is doing and like fills in some of the flaws, but we do lose a little bit of the personal connection with the villains. So like the random bird theme at least gets like some mind thrown at it. But it's very similar in the sense that like we have a person, in this case Ryu, set up for 
this thing, but then his whole world is blown up and falls apart. And also in this case, he has a similar emotional hook. He loses his partner. Yeah. And she also, though, is like kind of a loss to this idea of the the team like the Jetman team because we are, we see right off the bat that she's also very capable yes i love that they set up that Jetman was supposed to be five trained soldiers and that it's going to be one trained soldier and four random people yes that's really cool i love the um i love the whole like the farmer who's basically a pacifist who's like i just want to be a farmer like i think that's great the bored yeah. rich girl like awesome also she's so cute Board the characters are just instantly more specific so and the great. other two we haven't seen yet are also just as specific i've watched a lot of jetman i haven't watched all of it i know where some things are going i'm going to talk a little about where some things are going but like mm-hmm. guy who is the biker character we do see the other two get hit by the babe yeah the, the babes by the bertonic waves one of them <laughs> is a biker one of them is a high school student and both of them are very specific too but Raida is such an interesting character for me and something that We've talked a lot about body-ish things in Power Rangers. Yes. is not thin. No, he's a big guy. He's and a big he guy. Morphs, he's still a big guy. Yes, I thought that was so cool. It's like, wow. And he's, so like when we, okay, so when they were studying the theme, you kind of see the characters before you meet the characters, but not really, right? Right. So I saw that he was like this big guy. And Power Rangers has done this before where they have like a big guy who's like a strong person although i think every power ranger once morphed is generally the same size no matter what so i was kind of expecting him to be like this gentle giant but like in the sense that like not like fully like i don't actually want to be involved with this at all you know so cool but he's a pacifist he's not particularly athletic that even like meeting these two (laughs) as ryu's first partners a girl who really has no combat school at all and mostly just beautiful and rich and like work. I love Kyori. I think she's a great character. And then Raida, who's like in a different way, just like not interested in fighting. He in general, like doesn't like violence and is just wants to like take care of his garden and obviously is going to like jump in and defend it when they start destroying it. Right. These these people are not particularly suited for it. And it sets up one of the things that I think is so great about Jetman is that the teams have like very specific dynamics between all the characters. Like Mm. it is not three or five people who are generally coming from the same place. Every character is really coming from a different place and has Mm. different priorities. And that actually extends into the villains. One of the things that this episode I wish did better is we don't see until the very end. We're really presented Radicate as like, oh, here's the series big bad. And the thing is like, he's really one of four generals who for most of the show are given pretty equal weight. Mm, okay. And disagree and like have different approaches to things. And like, we don't get to see all of that fun energy in this first episode, but is one of the things that I think also makes Jetman really, really great. Yeah, and and on the villains, like, I, I know I kind of talked about it earlier, but the big projection of him, like, literally projecting all over the earth, like, we're here now and we're doing this, like, that, yes. it's silly, kind of, because you're like, holy shit, <laughs> great effects, 1991. But at the same time, if, if that were a real thing that would happen, like, that would be so freaking terrifying. Yeah, he's in coffee cups and bathrooms. Yes. His, like, he's everywhere. <laughs> his eyeball in a coffee cup, like, my god. Uh, I'm remembering the episode when Midora was kidnapping children was sort of coming through random reflective surfaces. That was yeah. kind of scary. This is like, he's just everywhere at once. And he's like, guess what? We're in charge now. Yeah. And we're going to blow up your defense ship and deal with it. Yeah. That would be like just this absolute kind of like control and like visibility 
that's terrifying to me. But I, I do think there's like a lot of lakes here. <laughs> I think I feel that more than Live Man for sure. Yes. I want to meet the other rangers. I want to see what they do. Oh, that was a question. Do uh, Live Man, do you know, do they have other rangers or is it just like a three man team? I think it's just a three man team for the whole season, actually. Huh. Um, which I think is interesting. I'll double check that and I'll uh, jump in during the edit with a yeah. question if that's true. But yeah, I really think that that it is just three. And and this is before you know the extra ranger was more popular. There are other right. seasons where we start with three and expand. Live Man mm-hmm. may be one of those, but like I think there might just be three for most of the season. Yeah, that's what it looked like from like the promotional material and stuff that I was seeing. But that in and of itself like makes it more of a closed introduction. Like we see all of we've met all these people, although not well and you know, not in any way that is satisfying. We met them. Whereas like Jetman, it's like there is more to discover. And we're it's it. And like you said, with the setup with only one of them being like prepared for this, like that's going to be so fun to kind of dig through. Yeah, with Lyman, I did just double check. There are five of them eventually. But Ugh. with with these, it, it's still like, and there's so many good personal dynamics. Yeah. So Ryu, his girlfriend was killed. Um, eagle-eyed viewers may have other ideas of what happened but <laughs> the Kaiori quickly develops a crush on Ryu yeah. and then Guy who's the biker black ranger quickly develops an infatuation with Kaiori and that like love square is part of like the whole season and it's great <gasps> oh you know what I remember you telling me about this years ago but to see it like set up like that's so exciting like I might have to go back into this yeah, love stories between the Sentai, like, sign me up. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, like, slight, slight spoiler tag, skip ahead a couple minutes. But it, it's not a spoiler if you recognize. Mm-hmm. The end of the episode is they reveal Maria the Fourth these generals. And, like, this is the same actress as Rie. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not an accident. <laughs> and there's very interesting story that evolves there as well. So that's exciting, though. But, like, because there's so many different ways it could be. It could be that she was a sleeper cell. It could be that it's just like a random doppelganger and that's just like tough to deal with. That's exciting. I'm excited yes. about that. It's good stuff. And like Tran is so interesting and Gray, the robotic one who doesn't really talk much, ends up there's some like very cool dynamics between them. This is just like if you are a person who loves interpersonal dynamics, mm-hmm. Jetman is the Sentai season for you. It's all that vibe. And the suits are also just like incredible. <laughs> really cool and like they actually like fly a little bit and i like that yeah they can all kind of glide some Mm -hmm. other little little stuff to pick up that i wanted to highlight there's a baby throwing shot which we also (laughs) saw in shoe ranger and always looks stupid and they should do them in every episode of every show if you ask me i thought this one looked better than the one in zero ranger though i will say i don't know if i agree i probably does i haven't seen it in so long but but yeah it's it's so silly. There's this great joke where when they're trying to recruit Kaiori, she thinks they're asking her to be a gentleman, not a jet man. And yes. I was a fan of that. And she's like, either way. Yeah, either way, I'm down. I'm pretty bored. <laughs> oh, I love her. I love her already. <laughs> when Ryu is exposed to the Burdonic waves, he has this like series of visions, which are also really weird. Like, just like weird shots and then like a hawk's head and yeah, weird. And then... 
one thing they do in this show that I actually wanted to see how it struck you is they they will zoom in for these like in helmet shots. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, that's fine. Like for me, that's always going to be hard because it's like, what is the viewpoint? Like, what is it actually coming from? Yes. Like, I just don't like that. But I also like the idea of like being able to see them like actually emote during something. Right. It's a good idea and good reason for doing it which is just like you said it's nice to see people emote but i think because of how static the shot is and the way they have to light it to make it make sense it actually like yeah. doesn't even do that i'm not a big fan but well, and also they also seem like too far away for that to actually be like they need to be even closer in on the heads for that to actually like feel real um but then yeah. that's like uncomfortable <laughs> so i get it it's kind of a lose-lose very silly. I don't um, really like but... when they do it with Iron Man either. When they show Tony Stark inside Iron Man, I'm like, oh, I don't okay. <laughs> Just I don't know. And like they have very talented stunt people. Like they can yeah. vote pretty well. But I I think it's like a tonal thing and it's a character thing. But it, it yeah. does. It's not my favorite shot. They do it with all three of them. Yeah. I'm sorry that only watching episode one, you didn't get to meet Ikari guy who is so great. He's the black one. He looks great because in the the opening sequence, like the the theme song, he's like sitting like cross-legged on a like ledge. And I'm like already a lot of attitude. (laughs) He's so cool. He is like the bad boy of all bad boys. Very famous ranger. There's a chance we return to Jetman at some point in some fashion. And like, ah, Ikari guy. I think we might have to, if not in the context of the show, I may have to, but, you know. And it's also easy to watch in a legal fashion for you viewers. Cannot recommend it enough. So let's take a quick break. And then finally, because most Sentai seasons start with a two-parter, we were able to watch both parts of this because I wanted to make sure we got Lubin Ranger and Pacha Ranger in there. But anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And we're going to jump forward about 20 years and uh, talk about something different. Yeah. right before the break i said 20 but this is actually almost 30 years uh, this oh my is God. 2018's lupin ranger versus pot ranger what what were your first impressions of this i think very unique in a lot of ways set up sentai season so my first note is literally this is so sexy that's it, like smoky casino oh yeah yes they're so cool it's also very like persona 5 Okay, and that is not an accident. Persona okay. 5 came out in September of 2016 and was, like, uh, one of the biggest things. And, like, there, it's it's Persona 5 to the point of, like, obviously Persona yeah. 5. The, the looks, the calling cards, even, like, Arsene is the Persona 5 protagonist's first Persona. Like, it is that is not an accident. It is, it is exactly where we're living in Japanese culture as well. Okay, good, good. Because I was, like, I have only played a little bit of Persona 5, but right away I was just, like, so, like, the mask and everything. <laughs> like, we're doing that. Okay. We are doing it. Cool, cool. It is, and it's, like, interesting you say sexy because it's, like, it's very much, like, take the aesthetics of sexy, take all the sex out of it for a kid, and that's, yeah. like, what this is. Which is, like, right. fun. <laughs> it's so but- fun. It's like, it's sexy for Sentai or like for Power Rangers. Like if this was a Power Rangers season, I'd be like, what the hell? Like, even though neither of those things can actually be sexy, but like, this is as close as we get. And the Lupin Ranger characters also are very like smooth in a way that that's fun. At least the the boys. Lupica is a little silly, which is okay. Someone should be silly. They need to take a break, you know? Yeah, they can't all be the same. This also kind of gave us an opportunity in jumping forward this much time to, like, 
where the sort of effects landscape of Super Sentai lives now, mm-hmm. which is like a lot more computer generated stuff. Yeah, but like not in a bad way. I don't think. I don't think so either because the thing that I think they do well is that they don't really go for fidelity. Like yeah. they go for toyetic computer graphics even. Like everything looks very heightened and glossy and it adds to the aesthetic to me. Right. But there's like no universe in which anyone's trying to make it look like a real robot or like a real machine. They're just like, no, this is just what it looks like. Yeah. Or real fire. In the yeah. Air. It's just, yeah. it's just vibes. Yes. On that, it, this is such a spectacle, like both episodes, just yeah. like huge, big, big scenes, big set pieces, big action, big explosion, flipping, just like everything all at once in a way that like the other two were not like they were very serious beginnings and there was a lot of action but like not in a spectacle kind of way this like has a darker a a dark tone in some ways but like it's poppy and it's pulpy in a way yeah watching the lupin ranger fight is so fun so one of the things i actually quite like about this season that's a little different than any Sentai season we've watched is that like their primary weapons are their guns. And like, Mm -hmm. they do interesting choreography on both sides of the Sentai equation here of like people who are primarily in shootouts. Yeah. Well, and the guns can kind of, they have their like own modifications and stuff too. Like they're not just regular guns. Yes. And are there morphers and are there everything? It's it's how they summon their mecha. They're very fun. And like the, the way that the two teams have such distinct visuals that are also like of a pair with each other. I also really like the Lupin Ranger have black accent colors. The Potch Ranger have white, but like they, they all have like a hat of some kind is the helmet. The top hat helmets for the Lupin Ranger, I think are, uh, they all have this little like tie detail for the Lupin Ranger. It's bow yeah. ties for the Potch Ranger. It's like a straight tie. It they, they like go together, which I think works for like the lore of what's happening, but then also are like super distinct. Yeah. Although I will say much prefer just like on a personal note the lupin ranger design to the potter ranger design yeah i do think it is overall the stronger design yeah. as well potter ranger does remind me of like light speed rescue though like if i had to say yes yes mm-hmm. it's like a cool i like the one thing i like about the potter ranger design is in the transformation sequence when like the tie straightens i think it looks very yeah. silly in a way that i'm a fan of yeah these characters are also i think very specific we probably don't get like a ton of time with patra two and three uh the the green and pink patra ranger but like we really get Kyrie and his like sort of smooth quick but like emotional on the inside vibes mm-hmm. and like keichiro then on the flip side being like so intense about everything yeah well they're setting that up because like they're gonna flirt the whole season i think right i have to assume yeah that's what it seems like to me. Everyone will kiss except for Toma, who is still in love with his dead fiance. Right. Of course. Understandably. Yeah. It's his whole, it's his whole deal, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's really, and I think that's why they're setting that up because like in the second episode, you know, when Kyrie makes that decision of like, well, we don't really have to like win the fight. We just have to like get out of here. And also to like let Keichiro have this moment to like fulfill this promise that he made. So yeah. It's like setting that up. Promises are certainly a theme happening here. They do they do some really cool stuff, I think, to like at first, Keichiro is really our only viewpoint into the Pot Ranger at this point. But like they seem so like intense and like 
oh my god they just want to stop our fun thieves but like by the end of the second episode i think you get the sense of like katra just like really has a strong sense of justice and really wants to help people and that's also valuable (laughs) the show says to you and it's it's great why is the robot named jim carter i don't know but we have to talk about it for about 20 minutes now (laughs) i love the design of this robot this robot is like i very white very big it's a person in a suit for some reason their arms are like folded up and at first i'm like oh that's just where the arms live but no the arms can unfold and then the person can emote with their arms it has a hat and its name is jim carter jim carter so okay two things the arms right so at first they are folded up and it's like plasticky over them but then they get rid of the plastic so that means that that person's arms like inside the suit they're in there folded up and then they have to do a quick costume change to let them that's just seems the arms. Why? that's not worth it it's not worth it for the effect i don't know why I, it's it's a weird suit jim carter is very intense to hilltop sort of yeah. like go with the flow breeziness it's always a little like like i'm glad you have racial diversity in your show but like i yeah. feel like in the Japanese live action things I've seen where we get black people in them, mm-hmm. um, Hilltop is black. Right. They like, I don't know if it's makeup. I don't know if it's the type of people they cast, but like there are features that for lack of better word are like leaning towards minstrelsy mm-hmm. that always make me a little uncomfortable. Well, there's always this kind of question, I think, which which is hard to interrogate, like, as, like, a white person, right? Like, I'm just like, do I feel weird about this because it's unexpected? Or do I feel weird about this because it's weird? (laughs) Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Hilltop seems fun. Like, it's not like he's, like, a goofy, bumbling fool or anything. It's just, like, I don't know, you looking at him, you just feel this little sense of, like... Hmm. <laughs> that is so hard to explain. I'm glad that racial diversity exists in the show. Yeah, for sure. And this is certainly an example of where like my American lens on race is different than the Japanese lens on race. Absolutely. But yeah, it is just just worth a little call out. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it definitely threw me. I was like, wait, what? So yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, it is just interesting. On the flip side, the Lupin Ranger have a butler. But he's not their butler. He's someone else's butler. But he's the only, like, support character they have. But, like, him pulling up in a limo and, like, giving him this envelope with the target inside. Like, all that stuff is, like, great. I love it so much. Yeah, it really just feels so much cooler to be a Lupin Ranger. (laughs) But they do kind of, I feel like, want you to wonder, like, are they being tricked? Is this all on the level? Like... What's what's the deal here? Are they going to is their dream going to come true for real? I personally think that it's all like the butler who's playing both sides. He's just like I don't care who gets it back. I just need them to get it back and also cause a little bit of mayhem, you know? Yes. Long-term mystery is not something I often feel from Sentai series, but yeah. this series is very there's a lot of them set up. Why do the Lupin Ranger and Potter Ranger tech like why does both of that exist within the Lupin collection? And like yeah. how did the Potter Rangers get it? And like who's this who's his mysterious master and why is he not out there himself? And like all these things. And then of course the whistling monster who I think that's the butler killed the people. It's also unclear. You think it's the butler. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's very like moody and I like it. And then it sets up the ways that the like different tech manifests for the different team, which is always fun to me. Yeah, and I have to wonder if like if that is like in the technology that this is, is it like intent based? Could they like make it look 
like Lupin Ranger stuff if they wanted. It's a question. I don't know. And I do know the extra ranger this season is on both teams, <laughs> has a form for both teams, but is one person. Exciting. Also, I love the idea of Ranger Fusion. I just think that's cool. It's cool and it's done so well because mm-hmm. they like do it. And like even like saying like it's like we're working for the common good, so we all work together on this and like one shot versus rap, like all that stuff's good. But then they actually play the like, well, this is super weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. It's very funny to me. And Good Striker sort of being this chaotic force. They're, the the next episode after this, I think you see a finisher with Good Striker in the suits from the Lupin Ranger. And then Good Striker is part of the Potra Rangers Megazord as well. So it's what an agent of chaos that little guy is. Well, and I'm wondering now, like, are they really going to ever have to, like, actually work together? I mean, they're all working against the gangler. It feels sort of inevitable, but I wonder how deep into the season it happens. Mm, It'll be interesting. I watched, like, 10 or 12 episodes of this season. I was watching sort of as it was being released in 2018, and then, like, life got in the way, and I never went back to it. Mm -hmm. They do, again, slight spoiler if you care, in the next episode, the police have shown up at the bistro, and it's just that they walked into that bistro. You could probably see that coming. Yeah. But like they start having a sort of relationship with the cops because the cops love the bistro and like they do a lot of fun pairs (laughs) with the characters and like secret identity stuff. It's very fun. So the bistro is a cop lunch spot. Yeah, it becomes the cop sort of hangout spot and they can't tell him anything, but they're like listening (laughs) in. The theme song of this one we didn't talk about because it wasn't in episode one, but it is in episode two. I also really love yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Like, I also had fun just kind of exploring like a contemporary Sentai, you know, because yeah. we've been in such in the past yes. for so long. The visuals are like so much, so fun. So like they do cool effects stuff. It's like two voice tracks mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time that like work together, obviously, but like have different feels, which is so reflective of the season. There's like the shot I really love where they're all like unmorphed, like walking past each other. Like, oh, we don't know who each other is. And then yeah. when, when Kyrie passes Keitro, he's like in his fan thing. I love it. I just, I, I'm so, I'm so about it. Right. And so then my understanding is that there's also like a movie for this season where it's like. Yeah. Lupin at this Ranger point, versus... there's several movies for okay. each season. There's, there's usually like a solo movie and then uh-huh. a movie with the previous season. And then these characters will be in the movie for the next season with the next season. So the previous season of this one is the season that Cosmic Fury is taking the Zord footage from. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because when I was looking for these episodes, it was like, do you mean Lupin Ranger versus Potter Ranger versus Kaiser Ranger, I think it was? And I was like, what's that about? So interesting, interesting stuff. It's very, they do a lot more for each season at this point in time, now that the franchise has gotten big. There aren't even movies for the, the seasons in the 80s and 90s. I think maybe t- later in the 90s, there start being movies. And that's where in Power Rangers, you start seeing episodes with the previous season too. And those yeah. are once they start doing those specials as movies. That's interesting. I like watching Sentai fight each other and then fight. The like three-way fights are so fun. Mm-hmm. The thieves do flips. So many flips. I love Lupin Kaiser. So I, I'm of such two minds with the way Megazords have evolved in Super Sentai. Mm-hmm. Lupin Kaiser is a fully digital creation. Yes. It is great for when they're individual mecha because like they move much better mm-hmm. and they can do really stupid stuff because like the police cars have these extensions. The The pink Potch Rangers police car has an extendable police baton, which is stupid in a good way. <laughs> yeah. But then when they are actually in the like mecha combination that looks like a person, I am sometimes like, I wish there was a silly suit. Yeah, it does kind of take some of the charm out of it. Yeah. 
I, I wonder if there are seasons sort of in like the middle run that are like somewhere in between where it's like mostly a silly suit, but sometimes becomes a computer. I think I'm trying to remember, but I think that's kind of how like Ninja Storm like that. Yeah, I was thinking was. that too, because they had like that speed mode. And I think that speed mode might just be a CGI thing. Yeah. But it's really fun. Yeah. The like safe dials that are on everything becomes a top hat. Yes. No Ugh. So good. I love how they have to like uh, crack their own morpher, you know? Yes. It's good. so fun when they like steal the treasures from the safes on all the enemies. And like the Ugh. general characters and the ganglers have like multiple safes or like very locked down safe, which is just like such a like instant signifier that they're more powerful, which is super fun. Yeah. We've come to the point in time where we have to talk about that while I like the cops and robbers theme, the cops of it all. Gosh, there are some things that make me feel weird. Yeah, it just made me think like we're never going to be able to cover SPD. I, yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't want to totally rule it out, but my God, they like, there's like a commentator voice in modern Sentai seasons. Yeah. And like at one point they pull out their weapons and he goes, suppression. And it's like, oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do something called refusal to comply strike. Oh God. After they mind controlled the porterman to actually get them to do what they say, so like they uh, were complying, it's, yeah. it makes me so uncomfortable. No, yeah, there's a lot. Like as as much fun as this was, and I had a lot of fun, even in this like kind of brief look into the GSD or whatever it is. I was just like global police or whatever it is. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't yeah. want that. It's so hard, just because like police violence is bad <laughs> and it's like a bad thing that exists in our world and these are these are police officers who like aren't just violent when they need to be they are baseline violent yeah well and it also feels like that just to go back to hilltop it also feels specifically weird as like an american to be like so the cop is led by a black person like the cop team like their leader is a black person like that just feels weird not to say that like black people can't lead and be like leaders and cops or whatever they absolutely are but it's just like so why are you doing that though i just it, it feels so weird <laughs> and like the thing i keep coming back to is like it makes me feel uncomfortable i can be like you know what japanese police have different history different yeah, yeah. set like all the things and like i have to sort of let that happen but then when i think about watching sbd i'm like well this is an american made show and yeah like, yes it's in the future and it's in space and maybe it doesn't feel as bad it's just like Using that aesthetic as, like, fun violence is really hard to chew on sometimes. Even though I think the SPD Rangers look cool and I like a lot of their mecha and, like, all those things. It's, like, I can... Well, and I mean, I watched SPD as it was airing and I really enjoyed kind of, like, the story of it because it's, like, they take these you know spoilers for people who haven't seen spd they like don't have a full team like the a team is lost in space or something so they have to use these b team cadets and then they don't have everyone so they get these two criminals who like they're like they arrested them and they're like you guys have to be part of the power rangers now or you're going to be in jail which problematic but fun ultimately fun in the moment when you're 12 anyway then they become the red and yellow ranger respectively and it's interesting it's fun it's just it's <laughs> it, yeah i like i don't want to rule it out it's just that it <laughs> it's is just like, a lot now there's just a weird thing to experience oh the, the other thing i want to mention though is like coming forward 30 years you see these things that were sort of like casually part of sentai have become really really locked in for instance roll calls yeah they, i'll have like a very elaborate roll call thing that's like the same every time the Lupin rangers end with them like on very these rooftops. long it's so yeah. great and then also like lines they say 
as they start and end fights, like the Boom Rangers say, hey, we're going to take your treasure, and the Pacha Rangers say, my god, we're taking you by force. <laughs> and, and like, when they defeat an enemy, the Boom Rangers go, adieu, and I love that. Yeah. So, like, those things, I love seeing them. I love that aesthetic. It is, like, the thing that sort of... I'm, I'm curious to see how that evolves in the Super Sentai, where we go from, like, the occasional roll call in G-Ranger to now, where it's, like, every episode you get the full roll call, and it's, like, a moment. Yeah, it's interesting that they're, like, we need to do this, like, to solidify the brand, basically. Yes, I yeah. am a fan, though. Okay, so I have, I have two favorite questions for you. First okay. is our usual, who's your favorite Sentai? We have so many to choose from. Who stood out oh. to you who's your favorite? Uh, uh, Kyrie. Kyrie, uh, Lupin Red, or Kyori? No, 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 no. Kyori. White Swan. Kyori. Kyori. Yeah. Great option. There's nothing better than, like, I'm bored, so sure, I'll be a superhero. Yeah. Also, she has, like, great dimples. I'm obsessed. Oh, great dimples. She's so sweet. We love Kyori. Uh, definitely was on my shirt list. I am mm-hmm. going to say Toma, the, who's mm-hmm. Lupin Blue. Mm-hmm. He's so moody in a way that, like, because of the pulpiness of it, I was just like, yes, give me a little moody boy. And he's a great cook. And he's a great cook. And he wants to kill the gangler. And you know what? I support him. Yeah. I will say the uh, Sukasa, who we really don't get much of, who is the pink Pacha Ranger, is great. And I'm sad we don't get to see much of her in this episode. And then my second sort of question is, if you had to keep watching one of these shows, oh, God. but you could only choose one, only which, one. which one would you, would, would you be most excited to keep going on? Oh, that's so tough. Mm, probably Jetman. That's fair. There's a lot of good stuff in Jetman. I've seen a lot of Jetman and I haven't seen, I, it would probably be Lupin Patra for me just because like, it's so different than what else I'm watching for the podcast. <laughs> sure. But these are all great seasons. I'm sorry we only talked about half of a two-parter for the first ones. It, there's a chance we'll revisit this again. Or also, um, we have continued to talk about, uh, depending on where Patreon supports gets to make this possible, doing a sort of unstructured recap show of a Sentai season like this that we don't think we'll ever see over on Patreon. So if you would like to yeah. support us there, that's a thing that might become a reality. Patreon.com slash teach me Sentai. Yeah, because then we can do bonus episodes basically for yes. these other things. Uh, let us know what you think on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, teach me Sentai on all of those or at teach me Sentai at gmail.com. Rate and review the show. It is so helpful. Next week, we are back to YouTube. It's episodes 49 through 52 return of an old friend which will probably be sad um after jason david frank stuff but yeah i'm excited to to get a little variety over in the Zhu 2 stuff we are three episodes away from the end of the first season of our show i can't believe we made it i'm so excited we've made wow. it our recording schedule is such that i don't know where the twitter poll is but so we will soon announce what season two of our show will be Officially. yeah that's it's so crazy to me that like we've been doing this and now we're like now we have to think about season two like first of all thank you everybody who's listened so far that we are like yeah let's do a season two thank you so much thank yes. you thank you thank you thank you crazy that this is a cool thing that i do with john fun stuff i love doing this thing and i let's keep going yeah cool all right well i think that brings us to our most important question of the episode, okay. I think. I'm a little biased. But John, if you were given a morpher today, what color ranger would you be? It's black today. I am Sweet. I am like all black. I Do I feel like a bad boy? Not exactly, but I guess mm. I'll have to figure it out. What about you? I'm a green ranger. All green. Mm. All mm. green. All so, green. Yeah. Do you think you're a goofy guy or a six green ranger? I think I'm a goofy guy. I love that. Mm-hmm. We can't yeah. both be bad boys. It would no. ruin the energy of the show. 
Yeah, no, definitely not. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. And until our next episode, may the power protect you. Bye. Teach Me Sentai is produced and hosted by Natalie Bridgman and John McDonough. Our incredible music is by Christopher Bridgman and our wonderful podcast art is by Yvonne14. You can find their work on Twitter at E-A-V-O-N 14 or on Instagram at Yvonne.14.art. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai and new episodes come out every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.